If you weren't here last week, uh, we are, today will be the, the second part of a, of a two-part message um, that is entitled uh, Seasonal Change. And what we're talking about, what the focus of this series is, is as we move into the holiday season, as we move into the new year, into 2023, um, we must ready ourselves, both heart and mind. Um, and what I would love to see for, for our staff here, for myself, for the leadership in this church, and for everybody that's involved, is church-wide, lasting, meaningful change that will lead, of course, to the betterment of ourselves, the betterment of our church, and prepare us for what God has in store for us in 2023. But it starts with us personally, and it starts with how we think and how we f- allow for our hearts um, to dictate and deceive us. And so last week, we looked at what it would look like to give over our thoughts to God. Um, when we, we make up our minds about something, we stick to our guns, and it doesn't turn out exactly how we thought it would. However, if we give over our thoughts to God and we allow for change to happen on a level that we can't obtain on our, on our own, we are, we are bettering ourselves. And of course, we looked at Ephesians 4 last week, and, and verses 23 and 24 says this, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on a new self created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. So not creating ourselves to look like the world, not creating ourselves to look like our favorite celebrity pastor, our our favorite celebrity influencer, but to look like God and to put our lives in God's hands. And today I would like for us to look at what a change in our heart would look like. So as we think about a change of heart, there's there's something that always stands out to me when we talk about our hearts Um, And and one of the worst pieces of advice we can give or receive is this. Follow your heart. We hear it in TVs and movies constantly, and it's what drives shows like The Bachelor and Bachelorette. Just follow your heart. Listen to your heart. And this advice leads to quotes like these. The first one says, Your heart is free. Find the courage to follow it. Next one says, follow your heart, it knows the way. The last one says, the cost of not following your heart is spending the rest of your life wishing you had. And those are really cute sayings, really fun sayings, but at the end of the day, these go against the guidance of Scripture. We, we get this, we hear this, and this is advice given so freely, but it goes against Scripture. Because Scripture on more than one occasion tells us that our hearts, when left unchecked, left unchecked, are deceitful and will cause us to stumble. We see it in Jeremiah 17, verse 9. It tells us, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Above anything else, our hearts are deceitful. And if we allow for it to, it will search for pleasures or personal gain over anything and everything else. My heart has led me down some very weird and winding roads over the years. Um, It's led me into jobs that I never should have had, into friendships or relationships I never should have been in, and out of relationships because of my own prideful doings. And for me, I look back over my restaurant career, and I see years of chasing the desires of my heart. When I moved to Lubbock, I was chasing the desire to make $1,000 a weekend. That's what I was told was possible. 
If you go in, if you work hard, if you work doubles, you pick up every shift, take every table you can take, you'll make $1,000 a weekend. I was told it was possible. But unfortunately, that never really came for me very often, a few times, but it wasn't what I was told would happen. Whether it was I didn't work hard enough, or I wasn't good enough, or I was missing out on tips because of the way that I look. But either way, the desires of my heart was to make as much money on the weekend as possible that I didn't have to work the rest of the week. Then my desires moved into the bar of my restaurant. I wanted to be the best bartender at my work. That was my goal. But not only that, I wanted to be the best bartender in Lubbock. There was an award, a lot like what we see in our local papers here, um, in which people could vote Lubbock's best. And I was, I was set on putting my name on this list. I worked on my skills. I watched videos. I did everything I could to be Lubbock's best bartender. And of course, this never happened. This was an insane goal of mine. I worked at a steakhouse with a very small bar. It was just crazy to think. But again, it never happened. I only worked in that position for about a year, and then God brought us back to Clovis. Lastly, the next time my heart dictated my life was when I went back into the restaurant business after being out of it for two years. I had left. I had went and worked at a family business. Um, I enjoyed the job, but I just didn't feel like I was making enough. Then I was offered a job to go back to the restaurant I worked at here in Clovis. And it was going to be more money than I had ever made. And I was so pumped about this. I was so excited. I knew the job. I knew the people. I, there was going to be no learning curve. It was just go back into the same job you did for years and get after it. But again, God brought me out of this place because I was only fulfilling the desires of my heart. I wanted more money. I went after it. And everything else in my life suffered because of it. And so we can find this idea of our hearts being deceitful in our own lives. We can see it in, in others around us. But we can also see it throughout Scripture. And one very key example is King David. And as most of us know the story, the story of David goes like this. As a young man, he was called by God to be the next king. He slayed Goliath in defense of his God and the nation of Israel. He fled persecution from Saul, the king, and he would go on to take over for Saul. But ultimately, he became king because that's what God had promised him. So by the time we find David around 2 Samuel 11, he had been king for a while, and he had grown accustomed to getting everything he wanted. He had all the money, he had all the riches, he had all the wives, anything he wanted. So when we get to chapter 11, we find David wanting something that he should not have wanted. It was a married woman. So to help us get through this story, I found a little video that might be helpful. Matt, go ahead. It's beautiful. I want it. What? The house? No, the ducky. Oh, but you already have a ducky. What are you saying? That I shouldn't have whatever I want? Well, I must have it, I must get it, you must go and get it for me. If you want me to be happy, then you'll show me you adore me. Don't rest another minute till it's sitting here before me. If you want to do your best, I would suggest you go and bring me back that duck. But sir... 
Sir, if I could just jog your memory, you already have quite a few duckies. Those are yesterday duckies. Huh? Well, these are all perfectly good duckies. Why, most of your loyal subjects would love to have even one ducky this nice. I don't like these, I don't need these, I don't want these any longer. My affection for those duckies isn't getting any stronger. To say I can't have what I want, you couldn't be more wronger. Don't ask me to explain, there will be pain if you don't go and get that duck. Our conversation is over. So, just to clear some things up, just in case this, this raises any theological questions, David was not a cucumber. Um, it was not a rubber ducky he was after. Uh, it, it was uh, a, a married woman. It was a, a married woman. So you can see how, how growing up watching these, because who else watched VeggieTales as kids? Yeah. So... We watch these videos as kids, and then we learn the real story, and we're like, oh, what in the world? So that's how we learned this story, was he, he wanted this rubber ducky that was not his. But instead, it was Bathsheba. It was a married woman, married to Uriah. He, she, he saw her, he wanted her, and ultimately he got what he wanted. Um, but fortunately, VeggieTales doesn't go into great detail about what happens next. Because what happens next is Bathsheba becomes pregnant, and David has her husband killed on the battlefield. Um, he, was, he was a soldier. He, he was on the front lines. David commanded the troops to come back. Uriah was killed. All because David wanted his wife. So when we move on to chapter 12, we find the prophet of the Lord Samuel coming to right the wrongs in which David had taken place. So again, 2 Samuel chapter 12. We'll start in verse 1 and move forward. So it tells us, the Lord sent Nathan to David. And he, he came to him and he said, there are two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb, which he had bought. And he brought it up and it grew up with him and his children and it, it used to eat of his morsels and drink of his cup and lie in his arms. And it was like a daughter to him. So Nathan is, is pointing out and using kind of a, a parable at this point uh, to, to, to get to David. Because at this point, he knew David's heart had turned. He, he had known what had happened. He was very aware, aware, well aware of the situation. And so coming to him and calling him out directly probably wouldn't work in the same way. If he just came and was like, this is what you did, this is what, David, being the king, could have put him to death. But instead he comes with this sort of parable-like story. And under the guidance of the Lord, he laid out the story for David, knowing that David could not ignore being the hero. So we continue on. Now there came a traveler to this rich man, and he was willing to take one of his own flock or, or, or herd to prepare for the guest who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come. David was, ang was angry and was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. And he shall restore the lamb foretold, because he did this thing 
and because he had no pity. So David responds exactly how he thought he would, exactly how Nathan thought he would. He jumped up and he called for action. How dare this man get away with this? The warrior inside of David began to show change was going to happen, and this was not going to be done on his watch. Absolutely not. But then here's what Nathan said. Nathan said to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel and delivered you out of the hands of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this were too little, I would add to you as much more. Have you desired the word of the Lord to do the thing that is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with a sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house. I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. He shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. For you did it secretly, but I will do these things before all of Israel and before the sun. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said back to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. Nathan made sure to lay all that God had done out for for David. He anointed him king. He saved him from Saul. He gave him all the luxuries and pleasures he could have wanted. And all for what? to turn his back on God and everything God had done for him? Because here's the thing. We can get so caught up in our own desires, much like David, that our heart turns towards the desires rather than towards the Lord. He gives us an inch and we expect a mile. He gives us a little and we want more. Because if it can happen to David, it can most certainly happen to us if it already hasn't happened to us. When we allow our hearts to dictate our decisions and our desires, we miss out on so much more that the Lord has in store for us. But here's the thing. Redemption is possible. It was possible for David, and it's possible for us as well. One of the coolest part about David's life is that we can watch the stories unfold throughout First and Second Samuel, as well as First and Second Chronicles. But then we also can receive commentary about how he was feeling in those moments, directly from David in Psalms. So as we look at Psalms 51, this is, this is directly after he was crea- corrected by Nathan. This is directly after all of this is unfolded. We read this story, David goes away, and he writes this down. Psalms 51, we start in verse, six, verse 1. Excuse me. David says, I have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my inequity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and only you I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your word and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in my inequity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. 
Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. You teach me wisdom in the secret heart. David comes to God completely broken. But in his brokenness, he admits that it was on him. This was done by his own doing, and for that he needs to be saved. David comes to God as a broken, sinful, and now humbled man. Humbled to the point that he knew it wasn't going to be a quick fix. It wasn't a, please God, do this for me type deal. This was going to require hard, meaningful, deep change. Pastor David Guzik, he's, he's one of my favorite. He, he writes commentaries. Um, he preaches and, and does everything a pastor does, but he, he wrote this in one of his commentaries. He said, Though the sin nature was deep within David, God wanted to work deeply in him. God wanted a transformation in David all the way to his inward parts, to the hidden parts that would know wisdom. David did not cry out for superficial reform, but something much deeper. And when we face times like this, when we face our hearts turning away from God, and we turn towards the worldly things, change that can come to fix us will not be an easy change. For some, it might be the removal of people in your life. Maybe it's somebody holding you back. It's somebody that's leading you in the wrong direction. For some, it might be a hobby or a job that's taking away your time and allows for your heart to become more and more calloused. I know as I was in my job, as I was in the restaurant business, the longer I was in it, the more and more I became hateful and became ugly and became not what God created me to be. But for everyone, it's something different. But when we ask for a change of heart, it won't be an easy go. For David, he knew that it was, it was well beyond this, and, and he knew that it was going to be something deep and meaningful. We pick up in Psalms 51, verse 10. David says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. David uses the word create here in verse 10. And the fascinating thing about this word in the original Hebrew, it's the word bara. And it's the same word used in Genesis 1.1. It's a new creation. It is taking nothing and making it into something. A brand new creation. David wasn't asking for a slight change or a quick fix. He was asking for something so much deeper. Theologian James Boyce said it like this, the word that begins this section is the verb, the Hebrew verb bara, which is used in Genesis 1 for the creation of the heavens and earth. Strictly used, this word describes what only God can do. Create ex nihilo, which means out of nothing. David knew that the only way to fix his heart was for God to do it. God needed to create in David a brand new heart, something only God could do in order for David to be whole again. A miracle in which God alone could perform. For us, we can relate to David's current state. 
Our hearts are not right. Something about it is off. But we cannot fix it on our own. So with that, we follow the the story of David for guidance. And here's where we can start. First and foremost, we must allow God into our hearts. If you are here today and you feel this way, and you feel lost and like you need a change of heart, and you've never followed Jesus, I ask you to follow Jesus. It is the only way to fix a heart. There are so many people in this church around you that will attest that following Jesus was the best thing they've ever done. You will not be complete without the Lord. No matter what you do, which direction your life goes, or what decisions you make, you will always feel just a little bit incomplete. Second, we must allow for others to speak positively into our lives. This is what makes church so important. Coming together for a common good with a common understanding to build each other up. And when you're here and you're in a positive relationship with others around you, who only want the best for you, you can allow for those people to check your heart on a regular basis. The best part of our staff here is that we're always looking to encourage one another. We're always looking to build up one another. But we're always looking to to kind of check each other's hearts as well. Because without that, our hearts go unchecked. Our egos can go unchecked. And we can fall away from doing what we were called to do. Allow for someone you trust, someone who walks with the Lord, to speak into your life. Not to dictate or determine your every move, but to speak life into you. You probably won't ever have a Nathan, a prophet of the Lord, doing it. But you can have somebody who is solid in their faith do so. For me, it's Tyler and Matt and Johnny. Um, John, who just recently moved on to a new ministry, still is that for me. It's my brother and my dad who are both pastors and both strong believers and strong men of their faith. There's some pastors that I look to for guidance in a, in a passive way. They don't know that I'm, I'm following their words. They don't know that I'm looking to them for guidance. Sometimes I reach out, sometimes I don't. But I allow for these people to speak into to my, lives, to my life. I allow for my wife to speak into my life and for Megan to speak into my life. Because if we don't allow people to speak into our lives who are a positive influence, we will continue to fall more and more away from the Lord. It matters who you surround yourself with. It matters who you bring into your life to speak into you. And that's the most important thing. We can't just let anybody speak into our lives. We can't let somebody who's not grounded in their faith and grounded in Jesus speak negatively into our lives. Whatever you do, find somebody who can speak positively into you. Walk alongside you and check your heart. Which means, leads me to my last point. We must allow God to check our hearts again and again. This will be an ongoing process. Time and time again, new things will pop up in our hearts if it goes unchecked. Once again, the guidance of David helps us here. Psalms 139, another psalm written by David. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. 
our hearts unchecked lead us away from the Lord. And it becomes a huge slippery slope. One moment we're, we're looking for a job and then we're working weekends because it pays better and then we're bartending because that pays better and then you find yourself, in my case, in the darkest, loneliest parts of life. Separated from the ones we love. I was recently married and it started off this way. I was separated from, from her. I was separated from my family. I, I was separated from really any real relationship with Christ at this point. All because I went down this slope of my heart's desires. We must constantly allow and ask God to check our hearts. Because who knows us better than him? David Guzik, once again, he said, David came to God, to the God of perfect knowledge and consistent presence, knowing he was also a God of love. And he could be trusted to search him and to know him on the deepest level. This is also an admission that God knew David better than David knew himself, and that he needed God to search him and know him. Know who God is. Allow for him to bring out these things inside of us that deter us from doing the right thing. Give our, we have to give ourselves to him and completely surrender to him. Because an unchecked heart can become so much more than just a, a negative thought here or, or a, a bad word here. It can dictate our lives to the point where we will completely lose what God has in store for us. So today I leave you with this. I, I ask if the next few minutes we're going to have our worship team come up. And we're going to have a few minutes. We're, we're going we're to have a few minutes. If, if you are feeling as if your heart's not in the right place, you're going to have some opportunity, some time to come up here and pray. Uh, you can pray up here at the altar. You can come pray with me, whatever you need to do. Allow for God to, to look inside of you. Because there are things that we are going to miss if we are not on track with God. And if you're here today and you've never followed Jesus but would like to do that today, you're going to have that opportunity as well. You can come talk to me. You can come talk to Matt or Tyler or whoever. You can come talk to us after service. You can come talk to us at lunch. Whatever you need to do. But I promise you that there is no better decision that you can make than following Jesus.